The following message was given at Grace Community Church in Minden, Nevada. So one of the most uh, commonly asked questions, especially uh, among new believers, is, do you think that you can lose your salvation? And I remember as a new Christian that that was, that was one of the biggest questions in my mind. Could I actually fall away and lose my salvation? I was converted at about the age of 13. We were in a church by the time I was 14. And there was a, a guy uh, in our church who, who was uh, a free will Baptist. Have you ever met a free will Baptist? Well... He would have me and another young man in our church over to his house, and he'd, he'd sit us down, and he would say, now, boys, you got to know that this Calvinist doctrine of once saved, always saved, is from the pit of hell, and it smells like smoke. <laughs> and then he would he'd take us over, and he'd show us Ezekiel 18, and and he would say, whatever, whatever happens to you boys, don't you dare become a Calvinist and believe in this terrible, hellish, devilish, satanic, demonic, pit of hell doctrine, once saved, always saved. I was, I was deeply impressed and terrified. Then I went to Bible college, and I used to listen to a Bible teacher. Ariel used to tell me all the time, don't listen to him, he's bad. And I'd tell her, you need to get with the program and repent and listen to him with me. And, and he had a little phrase for repentance. He'd say, you need to rebound. And I'd tell Ariel, you need to rebound. And she says, you, you tell me that one more time, I'm going to rebound you off the wall. <laughs> And uh, this guy, this guy would say stuff like this. Once a sinner actually uses his free will to trust in Christ, nothing can change that, even if he becomes an atheist two minutes later. And so I started to think. All that matters is a simple act of the will. You're, you're saved. You're saved forever, no matter what happens, even if, in fact, you turn around and denounce Christ and become an atheist well, about 16 or 17 years ago, I was um, recovering from back surgery, and I had been preaching through the book of Hebrews. Some of you remember that, 191 sermons. I hope you remember that. And um, as I was recovering, I was at home. Um, a guy that was, that was new to our church came to visit me, and I thought, oh, you know, how nice. You come to visit me during my recovery, and he, and he sat down. And, um, and he said, I've got a real problem with your preaching. And I said, I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> and I said, so what, 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 is, what is the problem? And he looked at me, and with dead earnestness, he said to me, you think that you can lose your salvation. And I said, I don't believe that. And he says, yes, you do. He went on to say, I've heard the book of Hebrews taught many, many times. I've never heard it taught like this. I've been a Christian for many, many years, and I understand theology, and I'm telling you that you think you can lose your salvation. I assured him, you've misunderstood my teaching on the warning passages in Hebrews, and then he assured me that he was far too smart to misunderstand me. Now... <clears throat> Why is this an important discussion? Right? I mean, it is, right? Um, just the issue itself. Can a person fall away and lose what God has given? And I want to say that the text last week is what precipitates us to do what we might consider to be a little footnote to our study in Romans. Let me just read those words to you again. Uh, Romans eleven twenty one. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. 
Behold then the kindness and severity of God to those who fell severity. But to you, God's kindness in the note. If, if you continue in God's kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And so, whenever we read um, a threat, a warning, a condition, like we see here, we immediately jump to the question, does that mean I can lose my salvation? If he says, if I continue in his kindness, that's good. Otherwise, I'm going to be cut off. What does that imply? Does that actually mean that I can be in a state of grace or a state of salvation and then at some point actually then become lost? And so that's what happens. We read a threat, we read a condition, we read a warning, and that's immediately what we jump to. I want to say it's a natural thing to jump to, right? But before we jump to that question... We have to actually ask ourselves a different question first. And that is, what is the purpose of the warning? Right? What is the purpose of the warning? What is, what is the, what is the condition or the threat? What is its function for the Christian? All right, And so then, once we actually understand that question and have come to a biblical answer, then, of course, we can then ask the question, what about those who, well, who don't finish the race? What about those who don't continue in the faith? And so what we're going to do today is, is going to be way different than what we normally do, all right? So think of today's sermon literally as a footnote to Romans eleven twenty two on the purpose, the function of, of the warning passages or why they even exist. And we're also going to have something a little different today, and this is at uh, some of my fellow elders' request. I'm going to actually show you the four different ways that people understand the warning passages, all right? But in order to do that, you have to have in your mind a starting block, a track, and a finish line. Now, my fellow elders have asked me that I not run back and forth on the platform, (laughs) which, of course, Nathan says, what would be the difference? (laughs) So I'm going to use pictures. All right? So... Understand this, we're talking about coming to our Bibles and encountering two very different sets of texts. I didn't say two contradictory sets of texts. I said two different sets of texts. So the first set of texts that I want us to consider is our passages that teach a condition for final salvation or passages that warn us of the necessity to persevere in our faith or passages that threaten us if we don't continue. All right. By the way, we're going to just look at those. So to get your Bible, we're looking at conditions, warnings, And threats. So this is going to be my Christmas present to you. I'm going to look at these fast. So if you want to just listen, that's fine. Mark 13, 13. You'll be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. 
right? Just the one who endures to the end shall be saved. And by the way, these are just a few samples of what we could multiply three, four, five times over. The next passage, John chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. They gather them, cast them into the fire, and they're burned. Right? You see the threat? You see the condition? If you don't abide, you're cut off as a branch. If you're cut off as a branch, you dry up, gathered, cast in the fire, and are burned. Romans chapter 8. Verse 13. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. Condition? Absolutely. Implied threat? Yes. Okay, chapter 11, verse 22, which we just read twice. Behold then the kindness and severity of God to those who fell severity, but to you kindness, if you continue in his kindness Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Condition, if you continue in his kindness. Threat, otherwise you'll be cut off. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 26, the apostle says... Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I, I discipline, I, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now, let me just say, New American Standard says disqualified. I don't really know what the ESV says. Maybe the same, I don't know. ESV says disqualified too. Let me just tell you that the word is adakimas. And the term adakimas is actually stronger than disqualified. Adakimas is tested and approved. Adakimas is tested and failed. That's why the King James says that I myself might not be a castaway, right? Uh, are you getting the point? Colossians 1. Don't worry, there's another set of texts coming. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Is there a condition there? Absolutely. Um, Book of Hebrews. The whole thing. Hebrews chapter, we'll just, we'll just do a few from Hebrews. Chapter 3, verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until when? The end. Is there a condition there? Yes. Got to be honest with it. Hebrews chapter 6. I read this passage when I was a, a brand new Christian. In the Living Bible, I thought, 
After reading this, I was lost. I was permanently lost. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And I was absolutely terrified. And so in order to soothe my conscience, I decided to keep reading through the book of Hebrews. And let me just say, that didn't help. Six four. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened, tasted of the heavenly gift, and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Is that a threat? <laughs> okay, if it, that's not a threat, I don't exactly know what a threat is. Right? Um... We'll pass the rest of Hebrews. We'll pass 2 Timothy. Um, let's go over to uh, 2 Peter. Second Peter chapter 2. You need a good text about dog vomit once in a while. Here it is. 2 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 20. For if after they've escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them, that is the slaves, uh, that is corruption, and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed down to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. First John chapter 2 verse 3. By this we know that we've come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Is that a warning? Absolutely. So, you get the point. There are passages, and there are plenty of them, that state conditions, that state warnings, and make threats. We're driving to breakfast on Saturday morning, and one of my grandsons was acting up, and I said something silly to him, and Calvin reminded me, Papa, you talked about making threats that you can't keep. Nothing worse than having your own words thrown back in your face, okay? So, conditions, threats, and warnings, they're there, okay? Just accept the fact that they're there. But there are other passages which promise God's grace to us that he'll keep us all the way to the end. There are passages that affirm to us that by God's grace, we will persevere, right? In other words, there are passages that abundantly, clearly teach that on the one hand, God will keep you, and on the other hand, by his grace, he will cause you to endure, right? Okay, let's just be honest, we like those better. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Verse 37. John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he's given me, I lose 
nothing but raise it up on the last day. Is that a glorious promise? Amen. You, you have to love it. If the Father's given me to the Son and I come to the Son, the Son will never cast me out. If I'm one that, that has been given to the Son by the Father, the Son loses nothing, including me. He'll raise me up on the last day. John chapter 10. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and they give eternal life to them, and they will probably not perish. They will never perish, and I love this, and no one will snatch them out of my hand, and my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And so, if you are one of Christ's true sheep, you hear his voice, you follow him, you have the absolute confidence of what? That you have been given eternal life, you will never perish, and you are in the hand of Christ. Christ's hand is in the hand of the Father, and there's nobody in heaven, on earth, or under the earth that is strong enough to get you out of his grip. You're not strong enough to wiggle out between the Savior's fingers and then make it through the Father's fingers. Okay, now, let's just be honest. If we would, we could, but we can't. Okay? You can tell I like these texts a little better. <laughs> Romans 8. Romans 8. All right, for the sake of time, we're going to just... Streamline some of these, maybe. All right, verses 38 and 39. We saw this just not that long ago. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, which includes you, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what can separate you? Nothing. Can you separate you? Can the devil separate you? Mm. Okay, Uh, you understand how hard this is because I want to look at all of these. Um, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for what? The day of redemption. When is the day of redemption? Is that present or future? It's future. (laughs) Johnny was anticipating just yes, but it's future. What does that mean? It means the Spirit of God. So is it possible for me as a Christian to to grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, of course, he just said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But then he says, by whom you were sealed. What's seal? It is actually, it is a, it is in one sense, a symbol of ownership that is not broken. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit all the way to the day of redemption. So then... Philippians 1.6, I'm convinced of this very thing, that he who began the good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Day of Christ Jesus, present or future? Future, thank you. All right. So guess what? If God started it, God will complete it, which actually leads us to a 
particular conclusion, and that is, at the end of the day, when all is said and done, what ultimately matters is what God does. Right? Okay, one more, one more, or maybe two. First Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, one of my favorites, the song we sang is, I I think, just a perfect song in light of this verse. So we're going to start at verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected or who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You know what this text actually promises us? This text actually promises us that God is going to keep us by his power. And how is he going to keep us by his power? Through faith all the way to the end. Mm. Okay, one last one. Jude. 24 and 25. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. What is, the, what is the promise? He's able to keep me from stumbling. And he's able to make me stand in his presence, in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy. Now, here's the problem. I've got texts on the one hand that are warnings threats, conditions. And I've got texts on the other hand that are promises and affirmations, right? And so what we, what we have to do is we have to actually try to figure out how do they go together. What you don't have the option to do is you don't have the option to say, I like one set and not the other. You don't don't have the option to do that. You don't have you you don't have the option to say, you know what, man, I love, 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 love First Peter 1 5, but you know what? When I come to Romans eleven twenty two, I close my eyes. There is something that if you if you look at the Bible as as a whole, then you have to ask yourself. How do these passages fit together? Right? Do, do you not... By the way, if you, if you don't feel the tension of how they fit together, it's because you've opted into choosing one over the other. Right? So you have to figure out, how do they harmonize? How do they come together? How can I have the confidence that I'm Christ's sheep and I'll never perish and no one can pluck me from his hand and yet if I continue in his kindness, I'll get kindness, but otherwise, I'll be cut off too. Right? You guys feel it? Okay. All right. Now, this is where we, this is where we change gears a little bit. There are going to be four major views of how you deal with warning passages. And the first is, I know some of you can't read that, so don't worry. I will act it out for you. <laughs> okay. So first is, is simple. It's the loss of salvation view. All right? So what it does is it says, 
You've got the already, the not yet. The racetrack represents salvation. So here's the beginning of salvation. The finish line is salvation completed. And you've got this guy running. The not yet is eternal life or the prize is salvation. And so this guy, this guy's running. And as he's running, he thinks about the warnings and admonitions And because he believes you can fall away and not get to the end, what the warnings and admonitions do for him is make him think, I doubt I'm going to get there. Okay? I doubt I'm going to finish the race. I doubt that I'm actually going to, to cross the line. I'm so absolutely certain that this is why I go forward every Sunday. And and does that resonate with any of you? Okay. That's the first view. And what I want to say about that view is that it's not true. It's not true. This view looks at the warnings, the threats, and the conditions, and they look at those in a way that ends up trumping the promises. Okay. So, the minute that I think that salvation is something that I can lose because of me, because of my own unbelief, do you know what I've just effectively done? I've just effectively said at the end of the day, my unbelief, my potential unbelief is stronger than God's ability to keep me. So I guess I can actually be separated from his love. And I guess his power isn't strong enough to keep my faith all the way to the end. And so when I was a new Christian, I used, we went to a church and I mean, we did, we didn't know anything. We were raised Roman Catholic. We did not know anything except that our new Pope was J. Vernon McGee. (laughs) And so we had a, a, a really sweet, kind man who was our pastor. And I would ask him, Pastor Rick, can I lose my salvation? And he would say, probably not. And I'd say, J. Vernon McGee believes in eternal security. And Pastor Rick would say, I believe in maximum security. His view, which I think is fairly common among people that, that believe this, mo- most people who believe this don't believe that just the minute you sin, you lose it, okay? But they do teach that you can commit apostasy in such a way that you lose the gift that God's given, all right? Wrong. Number two. Now, this one is, is a little interesting because... This isn't the loss of salvation. This is the loss of reward. So you got the start over here, and the start is just that point is salvation. So the track isn't salvation. The track is sanctification. Then when you get to the end, the end is not salvation completed. The end is Reward for finishing the race. Okay? Now, this guy, he runs the race, and he comes up to the admonition, the warnings, the conditions, and he reads those, and he thinks, um, if I don't finish the race, what happens? I don't get the rewards. I don't get the crowns. I don't get the jewels. I don't get... Right, so, so this passage looks at the warnings, the threats, and the conditions simply as saying you'll miss out on reward, but because you started here, you're good. Got it? Now, what I want to say about this view is that, first of all, It's called by a specific name called easy believism. 
okay? The idea is I'm converted, I'm saved, there's no two ways about it, and I can run the race, maybe I'll finish, maybe I won't, maybe I'll bear fruit, maybe I won't, but at the end, really what ends up happening is that I just don't get rewards if I don't finish the race. Uh, In fact, one beloved teacher of this, who I won't say who it was, but you'd all know, he says, even if a believer, for all practical purposes, becomes an unbeliever, his salvation is not in jeopardy. Now, what I want to say about this view is that there's, there's simply no way to read the conditions, the warnings, and threats and think that what's being warned against or what's being threatened is mere loss of reward. In other words, the threats, the conditions, and the warnings are so much weightier than just no reward. Right? If you can read Hebrews 6 and just go, oh yeah, I might not get a reward. You're not reading it right. If you can read, behold in the kindness and and severity of God. To those who fell, severity, what does that mean? No reward. It doesn't work. The warnings and the threats are far too weighty. They're far too grave of warnings to actually just be a mere, you don't get, this is how we used to say it. If you don't get, a re, if you don't get rewards, then you're just scrubbing toilets with toothbrushes in the millennium. Okay. I want to say the warnings are much weightier than that. Brings us to the third option. Now, I have some affinities with this because I relate to the theological system that it represents. Let me find mine. So, in this, next one, please. Okay. No, no, there's another one. There should be one that says tests of genuineness. Oh, okay. Was that what was up there? No comments out of you. All right. So here you've got already saved as you start. The track is salvation. The finish line is the prize is salvation or eternal life. So what this guy does is that he reads the warnings, the threats, the conditions, and his conclusion is those warnings and admonitions demand that I constantly am asking myself, was my conversion real? Some of you have tormented yourself over this. So as a result, instead of running like this, he's running like this. Why is he running like this? Because the warnings and admonitions continually make him look back to the beginning to see if he's genuine. All right? You get get it? Now... Uh, there's one more. We'll talk in a minute or two or next week. What happens to those that don't finish the race? Okay. But there's one more view. And you do know that since this is the last, this is the right view. So in this view, You have first the already at the beginning and the not yet at the finish line. The already and the not yet. Have you ever heard that before? 
There are literally, and I use literally, literally, dozens of texts that teach that salvation is an already experience and a not yet experience. Okay? Just think in terms just of, of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. You're to run what? The race that's set before you with endurance, right? So this view says the already. Am I justified right now? Yes. Am I born again right now? Yes. Am I adopted? Am I redeemed? Am I reconciled right now? The answer is yes. Is there going to be a consummation of my salvation at the end? And the answer is yes. I'll receive uh, adoption as sons. That is the redemption of my body. I will actually, I will be resurrected, glorified. Um, My justification, which is complete back there, will be made by sight right here for everybody to see at the judgment. So you have an already and you have a not yet. And so the, 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 the purpose is of the Christian life is to run and to run the race with endurance and to finish that race. So the track is salvation, but if one abandons the race, you don't receive the prize, okay? So just keep that in mind. You got, you, in other words, finishing the race is not an option. This guy is running and he hears the warnings and the admonitions and the warnings and the admonitions keep him running. So I hear if you continue in God's kindness, I hear that as someone with a new heart indwelt by the Spirit. And I know that not continuing in the kindness of God is not an option for me. So what does a threat do? A threat actually, a threat is a counterpart to a promise. So if I start to become presumptuous... If I start to slow down and just kind of start wandering, what do I need to hear to get back in the race? I need to hear warnings. If I'm running and I'm weary and I'm thinking, Lord, am I going to make it? What do I need to hear? Promises. So warnings and promises work in tandem with each other to keep me running, to keep me from falling off the one side of the ditch, which is presumption, or the other side of the ditch, which is despair. And so in a sense, the warnings and the admonitions are a means by which I run the race with endurance. The threats, the conditions, and the warnings actually do what? They, they drive me to continue in the faith. Right? So, the warnings do not function to create doubt in order to keep us from falling away. So last week, I used, used the, the warning signs on, uh, for Highway 50, right? And you've got these warning signs. You've got the truck that's tipping over and the rocks that are falling down. And, and so it's telling you, hey, look, you've you got to slow down if you're going to reach your destination safely. It is not, that warning is not slam on the brakes because you say, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. The warning does what? Gets me to my destination safely. That's what the function of the warning is. The warning isn't isn't saying, Borgman, you know what? You probably ain't going to make it. Now, the promises end up giving confidence that God, in fact, keeps his own. The promises... Give me confidence that I'm going to endure. The warnings remind me of the necessity of persevering. 
The promises remind me, give me assurance of being preserved. Do those two things work together? And the answer is yes. Both warnings and promises work together to keep me running the race with what? With confidence, with assurance, and with endurance. Isn't that what you need to finish the race? Confidence. Confidence in who? Well, in my own stellar running abilities, of course. No. Confidence in the promises of God that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Do I need assurance in order to keep running? And the answer is yes. Where does that assurance come from? It comes from the promises of God. And I also need endurance. I need to make sure that I'm not going to give up. And how do I make sure I'm not going to give up? By giving heed to the warnings. You know this was Spurgeon's view? This is from a, a sermon that Spurgeon preached from Hebrews 6. And he says, if God has put it, that is the warning, in, he's put it in for wise reasons and for excellent purposes. Let me show you why. First, O oh Christian, it is to keep you from falling away. God preserves his children from falling away, but he keeps them by the use of means. And one of these is the terrors of the law, showing them what would happen if they were to fall away. There's a deep precipice. What is the best way to keep somebody from going down there? To tell them that if they did, they would inevitably be dashed to pieces. In some old castle, there's a deep cellar where there's a vast amount of fixed air and gas which would kill anybody who went down. And what does the guide say? If you go down there, you'll never come up alive. Who thinks of going down? Right? The very fact of the guide telling us of what the consequences would be keeps us from it. The very fact, or our friend, so our friend puts away from us a cup of arsenic. He doesn't want us to drink it. But he says to us, if you drink it, you will surely die. It will kill you. Now, does he suppose for a moment that we're going to drink it? No. He tells us the consequences and he's sure we will not do it. God says, this is so good. My child, if you fall over the precipice, you'll be dashed to pieces. What does the child do? The child says, father, keep me, hold me, and I'll be safe. It leads the believer to greater dependence on God, to a holy fear and caution, because he knows that if he were to fall away, he could not be renewed, and he stands far away from that great gulf, because he knows that if he were to fall into it, there would be no salvation for him. It is calculated, the warning is calculated to excite fear, and this holy fear keeps the Christian from falling. I think seeing the warnings and admonitions as a means by which we keep running does justice to both promises and threats. So what do you need to run the race? You need the assurance of faith. But you also need the endurance of faith. We need assurance and confidence, not doubt, if we're to persevere. In a sense, this is what the already provides. What has he already done for me? And the not yet future orientation impelled by the warnings and the promises so that we persevere and do not give up. So, don't have time to talk about the other thing. Like what about those that fall away or quit the race? Let me just say this in closing. Don't lose sight of the promises of God. Don't lose sight of the fact that he has said that he'll hold you fast. That he'll keep you all the way to the end. Don't lose sight of it. But don't conclude that such promises give warrant for presumption 
for you to live however you please. And so keep the threats in view. What do the threats do? The threats warn me. Is it loving to warn someone of potential danger? The answer is absolutely. When our kids were little, we used to tell them, don't ride your bike in the street. Right? Because if you're riding your bike in the street and a car doesn't see you, you'll be killed. Right? I don't stand out there on the sidewalk and say, oh man, they're riding around and not paying attention and there's cars zipping back and forth. But you know, if I tell them, if you get hit by a car, you're going to die, it might traumatize them. (laughs) They might start to think, why would would dad say something like that to us? He must not love us. No. I say, don't ride your bike in the street because if you get hit by a car you could be seriously hurt or killed. I do that because I love them. I want to keep them safe. And our Heavenly Father has not only given us precious and magnificent promises that He will hold us fast, He has also given us loving threats and warnings to keep us safe. Let's pray together. Father, we pray for those today that need, need the comfort of the promises. They're in despair. They're wondering if they're going to make it and they need to hear your promises to them to keep them all the way to the end in Jesus Christ. But Father, there are others that are just flirting with the world and the flesh and the devil and completely presumptuous that no matter what they do, they will make it to heaven. I pray that they would hear the warnings today and that those warnings would get them back into the race. And so Father, we thank you that you love us enough to give us precious and magnificent promises that comfort our souls but you also love us enough to give us threats and warnings that keep us running the race. Help us, we pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you were edified by this message. For additional sermons as well as information on giving to the ministry of Grace Community Church, please visit us online at gracenevada.com. That's gracenevada.com.